Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another exciting episode of That's Truth. I don't know whether you've had a good day or a disappointing day, a refreshing or a discouraging day, but I am very glad that you have taken the time to join us for this episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens. Sitting across the desk from me in the studios of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse is Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who are listening this evening. And tonight we are going to continue our topic from last week, and that's the topic of abstinence. Now, this may not be a topic or a perspective of the topic that you would hear discussed a lot in public or even on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, but, Pastor, I am convinced that this topic is desperately, desperately needed. And I imagine that with the counseling that you do, that you would completely agree with me? I I fully agree with you. And I think any person who is currently aware of the trend in the Caribbean and globally must be concerned. Uh, It is creating havoc. We're going to lose a generation of, of young people. And I am deeply concerned that the information that is being shared um, is, 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 is not really as exhaustive an, ex- an extent that it should be. I, th- I am fairly convinced um, that if young people are more aware of the STDs and the kind of effects that it will have on their bodies, uh, even though it might not totally uh, cause them to put a halt on their lifestyle, um, I pretty much think that they'll think twice and three times about it because it's a very serious situation. But you don't get that when you look at the press. You don't get that when you look at television, when you watch a movie. Uh, everything, when you listen to songs and music and lyrics, uh, you get it's just fun and games, recreational sex, and without looking at consequences. It's about time we drew consequences to the attention of the public. And I think even as a believer who is active in church, if we're not careful we start to become reprogrammed by the media, by the secular media. Uh, I remember even after watching certain television shows or being around an unsaved neighbor that we had years ago, the I realized after a while my mind was starting to be reprogrammed and I was thinking differently. Even some of the words or the thoughts that would come to my mind in the heat of a moment were things that I previously wouldn't have found myself doing. I think you're right about that. The, you know, it, it's the mind, through the mind, the thoughts, and the thoughts produce behavior. So we, we act out what we um, is poured into our minds, and the media and different forms of um, writings and um, literature, and, and etc., um, get these thoughts into our minds, and our minds become desensitized to it. And eventually, uh, if we're not watchful, we can embrace some of those false concepts that are being shared by the media. Now, last week we 
discussed a lot of information and we don't have time to rehash all of it. But, Pastor, can you just define real quickly, what do you mean by abstinence? Well, abstinence, we're talking about avoiding all forms of sexual activity before marriage. That's just an essence of what abstinence is. Um, it's just keeping yourself pure and avoid getting involved in sexual acts before you actually come to the altar and put your, um, commit yourself to God and, and make your vows. If you are interested in listening to last week's program, you can go online, go to Google, and type in That's Truth Podcast, and then search. Once you find a provider like iTunes provider or Google Podcast, look for the episode number 85, the episode titled Abstinence Part 1. Now that we've got the introduction out of the way, let's jump into some new information. Now, Pastor, not everyone listening to the program tonight is a Christian or claims to be a Christian, and that's fine. We are glad to have you listening. And they may not align, they have a strong allegiance to Scripture, but are there other reasons other than religious reasons to uh, subscribe to the idea of abstinence? Yeah, there's so many other reasons that a um, person should practice abstinence. Uh, we can't treat this subject exhaustively here tonight, and I would recommend to the public, um, anyone that's listening that is really, really concerned about the gravity of the situation, uh, to see if you can purchase uh, Josh McDowell's uh, book, Why Wait? Um, he documents and he um, does a tremendous job in dealing with all the different reasons why a person should wait and not get involved in sexual activity. And if you really want a, a book that would really give you tremendous details on that matter, I would recommend that you, you do that. A lot of the information I'm sharing, we're going to share with you tonight, really came from that book itself and also came from the uh, CDC in, in the U.S. Um, so the information is available, and uh, I think that Josh does a, a great job. And I think you'll find the information helpful, especially parents and youth leaders, a useful handbook when you're dealing with the young people. Now, I foresee us spending a lot of the program tonight talking about STDs and sex and that type of thing. What are some of the overarching principles or ideas that we should be aware of as we proceed through this discussion? Well, I think that um, we've looked at the biblical data and we've seen that it is very, very clear that the Bible is very, very specific, that every form of sexual activity outside of marriage is wrong. And we've seen that God condemned um, in very specific ways, fornication, adultery, uh, incest, uh, bestiality, homosexuality, lesbianism. Um, any other form that you can think about that's not belonging to marriage is actually condemned in Scripture. But what I think we need to understand is that outside of Scripture, there are some very good, solid reasons why young people and other people should be brought to attention of these matters so they can understand not just to be beating you over the head with the Bible. Uh, God gave those reasons uh, to protect us from the dangers that were going to flow out of the result of a promiscuous lifestyle. And remember that this is the moral universe. God rules, and God is not mocked. So what a man sows, he's going to reap. But he put all of those restrictions in Scripture, not because he wanted to kill your joy or to uh, withhold you from having the, the, the right form of pleasure, but he wanted to safeguard your life, safeguard your marriage, safeguard your, your, your body, uh, because he himself knew of the dangers that were there. And remember in Leviticus, 
he told the Jews, I'm telling you not to do all of these kind of sinful acts, sexual acts, because these are things that were done by those that were there before you. And if you're not careful, I will bring all these same diseases upon yourself. So it was a preventative uh, stricture that God gave in, in, in the Old Testament regarding these matters. So we, I think we've got to understand that we're dealing with a serious problem and that the amount of STDs that are out there, over 27, 20, 20 of these, by, way, uh, by the way, cannot be prevented by the, the condom. Uh, that in itself should be a shocker. Um, and some of these are, are, are curable. Some of them are not curable, like hepatitis B, herpes uh, is not curable, HIV is not uh, curable, HPV is not curable. And even the ones that are curable, uh, the amount of side effects that they have in terms of deforming your your genitals and uh, causing infertility and creating great pain, etc., uh, etc., et uh, one ought to pay attention to these matters and not just just um, be very loose on, on these issues. The fact that you just stated, you said 20 of these STDs are not prevented by contraception or contraceptives such as the condom. Mm-hmm. Now, in that in itself, doesn't that counteract the secular perspective that we shouldn't teach abstinence, that we should just give our young people condoms? Yeah, but don't forget who's pushing this. If you've got uh, uh, politicians and government people pushing this, it's because they themselves are immoral. So why would they put strictures on young people? Mm-hmm. They have no moral uh, conscience in regard to these things. The other thing is that it's very difficult for you to condemn a lifestyle that you're, you're currently practicing. So we've got to understand who's the voice that is, is pushing all this kind of information. The other thing is that a lot of it comes from the artists and the, the music icons, the athletic people, who, et cetera, et cetera. These are people that are totally, totally, to a great extent, very, very immoral. They make low bones about it. They can't keep their own marriage together, and they live very, very loosely. Uh, so don't forget, these are the advocates of, of, of free sex, advocates of um, uh, freedom and the, the, right, the, the use of the body. These are not moral people that we're dealing with, so that gets uh, gets to understand what has been happening. And then the media itself is all part of the great conspiracy. So um, I'm not surprised that these things are happening. It's just that the silence of the church and the fact that its voice is mute is the problem because our voice is not heard, and because it is mute, people don't think there's another alternative, as though we have surrendered uh, to what is being said up there. Pastor, I know a lot of parents, Christian parents, would try and protect their children and not necessarily introduce them to the topic of sex or not want to discuss it because they don't want to introduce it to them at too young of an age. At what age should a Christian parent address the issue with their children? And the reason I ask is because the world around us is so prevalent that I dare say that six, seven-year-olds are are exposed to it very regularly. I mean, in advertising and that type of thing. Yeah, The problem with sharing information with, with children, it needs to be shared, but it's who shares it, is that be, our sinful nature is such that the more information we get, the more curious we become. So the information, while it, we want factual information, it, 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 uh, our, 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 the way we're made up, the way we're wired, because we are so depraved, uh, we intend to help the young people with it and give them the information, but what that creates is curiosity. They want to find more and more and more. And that the more they go into it, 
the more they want to experiment to actually find out. So we've got to be very careful when we give the information, who gives the information. I don't, I don't think the proper place is to be in the, in the school, to be very honest with you. Uh, the exception might be a Christian school where you've got a, um, a, a good Christian lady or a good Christian husband and wife team teaching it if it has to be taught. But I don't think that the place to be to do that is in, in the, especially the secondary schools. You've just opened a whole Pandora box of us. Uh, I remember when I was in school, uh, there were guys that took biology just to see the books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would go yeah. to the library just to see the books, and they had those books that are really actual pictures of actually people. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, it, and that was a, a Christian scholarship, to be honest with you. That was a shocker. So we got to be very careful. But I think personally that um, it should in most cases, be done by the parent. And I think puberty. Um, I think just before a young lady uh, have her first period or, or she just have it and she's shocked what has happened, I think that's the time, around that time, that the parent should take her side and maybe chat with her, her mom chat with her on the whole matter. As she matures, maybe the dad can come in. And, but, but I think for a woman, deal with a woman, the boy, deal with the boy. Same thing with the first time a guy has a, a what you call a wet dream, for example, and he's reached that kind of, or you see his beard or he's beginning to get um, things on his arms or whatever, you alert that he's coming to that stage. I think it's then proper that the parent uh, the father take the boy aside and, and explain to him what is happening and, and don't give him all the details because I say if you give him too much information one time his sinful nature is such that he wants to crave more information, more information so he starts searching and searching until that he can actually take that information and abuse that information but I think the proper person to do it is the father and the mother within the home especially when the children are about to reach puberty but well, one other thing yeah. However, if they haven't reached puberty and you've, you've learned from school, you learn from somebody that they're talking about sex or whatever it is, uh, I think they need an intervention there to actually, you might have to just raise the bar a little bit and, and deal with it much sooner because if you don't do it, somebody else is going to teach them and it's normally going to be their peers who know nothing about this matter. And if they do know, it's in the wrong way and your child is going to be brought into it. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The name of the program is That's Truth, and it is a live call-in program. We look forward to your interaction throughout the evening. If you'd like to call and be put live on the air, you can call one 462 7420 If you'd rather WhatsApp or text, send your question to one 268 782 Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 7.45. Pastor, let me ask you this. For the listener who says, Pastor Murphy, I enjoy your program, but why are you discussing this tonight? Well, if we don't discuss it, who's going to discuss it? I am fairly convinced that uh, there are a lot of people that get into trouble sexually who doesn't have the information. Uh, parents are not themselves sharing the information uh, some of them have not read up on, on the, the data that is needed to be able to impart to the children. But I think as uh, a Christian leader within a Christian church, I think that we must not give the impression that sex is something nasty. This is a gift that God has created, and we need to get the information out there. However, using good judgment, not giving as many uh, sal- uh, salacious details on these matters, but I think it's a responsibility of, of the church uh, to address these matters and I think in a public forum like this where people might be listening, we might be able to help parents and provoke them to, to take on their responsibility. And we might be able to give them some information as well that they themselves can use in uh, teaching their children. 
you've referenced a number of times this evening already STDs. What is an STD and what are some of them that are out there? Well, STDs, uh, STD stands for sexual transmitted disease. Uh, sometimes they use STIs, sexual transmitted infections, but it's basically the same thing. These are d- diseases that, generally speaking, you get them through some kind of sexual activity, whether it be, um, you know, today you've got uh, normal heterosexual sex, whether it be um, anal, whether it be oral, whatever it is, any kind of sexual activity, uh, you get could get these kind of diseases um, that goes from one person to another. The problem with a lot of these diseases, however, is that people have it and they don't know. Um, some people, they show symptoms. Some people, they don't show symptoms. So there can be somebody out there spreading a lot of these diseases because they don't have the symptoms. They're not aware of it. Uh, and we need to make the public uh, also aware that the, the, the amount of those diseases that are out there. When I was a boy, they only spoke about two that I remembered that was gonorrhea and syphilis. Now you've got 27 uh, plus of these diseases. And by the way, some of them, um, some of these viruses have got 40 different varieties. Uh, So even though you're talking about uh, 27 different uh, STDs, if you were to uh, break it down to the the 40 or the 30 different types of mutated, you've got a far more complex situation to deal with. But I don't think that people are cognizant of how terrible the situation is out there because you never get that impression by looking at what people are doing, how they're living, listening to the television, et cetera, et cetera, watching the movies. You never get the impression there's any danger. They're just even lots of fun and a big kick, but the kickback is coming. And many, many times that kickback is fairly permanent. Uh, it's something that you it can't be cured. You've got to live with it, balance your life. You've got to take medication, and you get periodic uh, outbreaks that actually interfere with your own uh, sexual, uh, with your par- sex with your partner. That creates a problem because the timing might be wrong, and you you actually are exacerbating the problem uh, as far as your intimacy is concerned. People don't look at that. The, the, the problem with cancer, for example, a lot of cervical cancer and, and cancer dealing with the, the genitals, a lot of it st- stems from these STDs. Again, really? No, yeah. A lot of people not dealing with those kind of issues. Uh, and because uh, people are, are not... And I, I would say this. Um, I don't know why, and I... I think the um, we should have some good Christian medical practitioners that should keep the public informed on these matters and deal with it from a moral basis. Uh, and we've got to offer an option. Uh, a, a public uh, medical person who has no Christian background can get up and just give you facts, but he can't. He can't apply the moral base why you should do these kind of things. So I think that there needs to be a, a, a Christian doctors that are willing to come forward and, 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 and share with the public a lot of these matters. And because they don't do that, we have to try to do it, to try to inform the public, to try to help them in this matter. AIDS is probably one of the STDs that is most feared, most publicized. You see billboards saying use contraceptives in order to avoid getting AIDS. Let's explore AIDS a little bit. Uh, What is it? What does it do? Well, I think most people are familiar with the uh, the acronym AIDS, which has to do with acquired immune deficiency syndrome, uh, and uh, basically it is um, a virus that gets into the body and it damages the immune system so that your resistance against infection is reduced. And the other thing is that um, it, because of that you become susceptible to a host of other forms of diseases. Most people don't die from AIDS per se. 
they die from the other diseases that they acquire that the immune system would not, not would naturally resist these things don't resist them any longer consequently uh, they become um, susceptible to other forms of diseases which they can't fight and that leads to death so basically it's, uh, it's a breakdown of the immune system uh, and one thing that I should mention to the public that people have forgotten AIDS started as a homosexual disease. Don't ever forget that. It's the homosexual group that brought the AIDS virus in. Now it has gone, uh, mutated into the, uh, migrated into the heterosexual. Now there are more heterosexuals with the disease than the, but this has been, this is the result of bisexual men having relations with homosexuals and women that has now brought it into the, the heterosexual community. But we must never forget where it started uh, and uh, the, the, the um, that's where it started. We, we sometimes forget that, uh, but that's where it actually started. Not a very politically correct thing to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, because again, the 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 media uh, support the gay movement, mm-hmm. the the transgender movement. But again, we must speak truth. Whether people get offended or not is is quite immaterial. It is we we just got just gotta explain the truth, speak the truth. And I am convinced that ultimately the truth wins out in the end. So no matter who opposes the truth, uh, they'll be slain by the truth ultimately. And that, that's the kind of uh, confidence we have when we talk about this matter. This may be a unfair question, but what causes AIDS? Well, AIDS is caused by a virus. It's called HTLV3 or LAV, basically. And a lot of these um, STDs, along with AIDS... Uh, is a virus. And the problem with a virus is you really haven't found a cure for a virus. Now, I heard uh, Mr. Trump recently saying that within, um, I think, 12 years, they're hoping that they're going to lick the AIDS epidemic and, and, and completely conquer it. Well, I wish him luck because the problem with a virus is it mutates and mutates and mutates. As soon as you get medication, deal with one of it, it mutates to something else. I wish they could find a cure, but I don't, I'm not as hopeful as he is with all the optimism uh, that he speaks about and all the expertise that he. Uh, talks about the Americans have I, I, I don't, I'm not too sure that they'd be able to conquer this disease I imagine that if they did conquer it the promiscuous level would just skyrocket and yeah. anyone who is afraid of getting AIDS yeah. would if I might add, add to that it may, and this is why I never liked when they paraded Magic Johnson as a uh-huh. success you know he's had the disease now um, I think maybe close to 20 years maybe 15 to 20 years because I remember at first when I was in St. Lucia I've been up here 17 years, and I remember he caught it when he was in St. Lucia. And uh, he is still alive. Mm-hmm. And if you see magic, you would think that there's nothing wrong with him. The, 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 the thing happened now, the young person seeing that, so what is there to fear? I mean, here's a man, 20 years, he's had it in his life, he still seemed to be very strong, he's talking very positive. But behind the scenes, what they don't see is among the medication he has to pump into his body. Yeah. And the side effects he has when he's not before the public. So it's actually misleading the public. And I don't like that, uh, you know, a person who's been fighting the disease that seemed to be so successful in dealing with it, it car- creates the wrong impression to the young people. Uh, and that's one of the sad things about uh, the AIDS epidemic. I don't think we are showing the stark reality of how it affects the person ultimately. Uh, we're just dealing with uh, minimizing the symptoms. And I don't see how that is going to help the young people. It actually emboldens them not to fear the AIDS any longer. Pastor Murphy, we have a text message that has come in from St. Kitts. It reads, Pastor Murphy, please explain the word mantra. What does it relate to and or who and explain world conscious? 
Well, mantra is normally a word that you're given, especially if you're doing yoga or you're a Hindu. It's a, generally speaking, a Hindu, a name of a Hindu, um, Hindu? Hindu god. Uh, and it's a word that you keep repeating when you're meditating. The whole thing is you keep repeating, 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 and you come to a state where you lose consciousness by repeating that word and repeating that word. And re- so a mantra is actually a word that you're given. It's normally a word that you, is supposed to be exclusive to you, that you keep repeating and repeating. And by repetition and meditation, uh, it brings you to a state of where you, you, you lose consciousness and you go into an unconscious realm. What's the other word? A world conscious? Um, I, I, I think the, the concept there is that people who practice TM, for example, uh, believe that if everybody were to practice um, meditation and go into this higher consciousness, uh, you will come to be united in, in what is called a global consciousness. So, in, in other words, you look beyond, like, for example, the boundaries of your country. You're no longer seen as an Antiguan. You see yourself as a global citizen. You no longer see yourself as material. You see yourself as a, as a spirit that can mesh with the universal spirit. So it, it's all a, um, it, it's a spiritual encounter, uh, generally speaking. It is not something the Christian can get involved in because the Bible makes it very clear that meditation is not, to empty the mind. Meditation is fill the mind and, and think of the works of God, the character of God, the attributes of God. And the Bible is very, very clear. If you read the Psalms, it's meditating on the Word, meditating on the works of God. So a believer is not to empty his mind. Uh, and I keep, I've said this on this program very, very often, that the Bible is about truth. And truth can only appeal to the mind. So we must engage the mind. The Rastas use the idea of using uh, this, they call it this this herb, this, this um, idle herb that's supposed to give you a higher consciousness you get in contact with God. Well, you know, the American Indians use peyote too, as well, which is a, a chemical of the cactus. They do the same thing. We don't need um, any kind of um, herb or any kind of weed to get in contact with God. God has revealed himself in his word, and it's through his word that we get to know God. So there's no doubt they're getting in contact with another force, but this is not a spiritual. It's a spiritual force, but not the divine force. This is an infernal spirit that they're getting, and many times are demonic powers that they're getting in contact with, not the God of the Bible. That needs to be very, very clear. Thank you very much to the individual who sent that text message from St. Kitts. Keep listening. Keep encouraging others to listen. Pastor, getting back to the topic of AIDS, what are some of the symptoms of AIDS? Well, uh, when a person uh, has AIDS, um, some of the symptoms would be uh, you're tired all the time. Tiredness is one of them. Uh, you normally would have some kind of a fever. Uh, you lose your appetite. Uh, diarrhea is a frequent sign, uh, frequent diarrhea. And then you get night, night sweats, and many times you get your glands swollen, your lymph nodes swollen. Uh, those are substantially uh, some of the, the, the symptoms. Now, if you know that not a lot of these are, you know, you cannot have AIDS and you can have these symptoms. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of people would have certain symptoms like these and figure, well, everything is okay. But if you find that you the conglomerate of these symptoms, these six symptoms, you, you, you're tired all the time, you've got fever, uh, you don't seem to have a, a diarrhea, you've got night sweats, and your glands are getting swollen, 
you need to get a check because it, it, it's indicating quite clear that you might have the disease. Now, would these symptoms kick in as soon as you have come in sexual contact with the virus? Well, according to CDC, it kicks into contact after about six months. After you've, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, six months. And sometimes, by the way, you don't show the symptoms for five years, 10 years, as long as 20 years. So a person can be infected with AIDS and not show the, 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 the symptoms of it for, for 10, 15. So you could have a guy out there, less for, for sake of um, just statistics. Suppose you have a guy out there that um, is immoral, and his target is five women a year, five new women a different year. Imagine the amount of AIDS he can spread within a 20-year period or 15-year period. I remember years ago when I was in Barbados, the, um, one of the, um, the British doctors having been there and recognized the level of AIDS among the homosexual community, had made a dire predicament that if this is the rate that he was witnessing, uh, this is what will happen to the Barbadian public. And I remember the government shipped him out because they, 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 they would have done so much damage to the economy, the, the tourist industry, etc. and he was actually mm-hmm. kicked out. A lot of information is suppressed on these matters. And take it, if you... Uh, know how many AIDS people you got in, in Antigua that have actually come forward and you got the HIV, uh, you got to multiply that by a significant factor because uh, if you take um, a person between zero, uh, between uh, say 15 and by the time he gets 30, he's had 10 partners. Those 10 partners have had 10 partners. Those 10 partners have 10 partners. Just before. a multiplication. <laughs> it's a multiplication. Yeah. And that's why it is such a serious problem. And a lot of people, you know, sometimes you hear of a person die and they're fairly young. Mm-hmm. They never tell you what, what's going on because you can't, you know, it's to save the family, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a huge problem, a very huge problem. And it's going to escalate because um, I think it's come to the point where I don't even hear about it any longer. I don't see anybody. I don't see any ads on the paper warning people on the on the news, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's, it's like it's gone into um, just a norm uh, of society. Yeah, yeah. It's always hibernating or something, uh, but it, it's a big problem. How is it diagnosed? Is it something I can home diagnose, or I need to go to a medical profession? No, they look for certain infections. If you have certain infections, they will uh, pretty much have an idea. Because remember, the uh, AIDS virus knocks your immune system down. So when they pick up that you're um, having these infections, uh, which your immune system should normally be able to resist, they're no longer resisting. So when they begin to see that, the, the idea is that you might be having something. The other thing is that they look for certain AIDS antibodies because your your um, cells fight against the, the disease. And the, it, you have certain antibodies that are in, the, in, the, in, your, in your blood that they can pick up. Once these antibodies are there, they would know this has to be the AIDS. So generally speaking, it's the antibodies and also the level of infection that you have. Is there a, this is again is a vague question, but is there any way of knowing who gets it? Are some people immune to it? or No, there's no, as a matter of fact, uh, people who work with the AIDS Secretariat or work with the, dealing with government, it's a very, very private thing. I know that because I had a sister who was working uh, with that, uh, a group in Barbados who with the AIDS, and she was, she never told me anything. I couldn't ask any questions about not, and uh, she eventually left the job, by the way, because she said she couldn't handle it. Hmm. Too many people were dying of it, and it was just it was just so traumatic for her. She requested that she transfer from that department to another department because it was just, you know, you can imagine that you know people, you know who got AIDS, yeah. and then you hear on the news, whatever it is, nobody else knows but you know, and that's a burden for you to carry all the time. 
and she just said, I, I can't handle it any longer. Let me let me move on to something else. Referencing back to Magic Jackson, Johnson, um, the is it really that serious, or are you blowing it out of proportion? I don't think I'm blowing it out of proportion. As a matter of fact, anybody can go online and, and, and look at the CDC. Um, and if you look, at you, they'll give you all the information that you need and let you know how serious the problem is. It's a massive, massive problem, and I don't know if it's going to get any uh, get any better. I hope Mr. Trump is correct. I hope the technology is there. But uh, I, myself, not being a medical doctor, I am very, very hesitant to, to be that optimistic. Um, it's, it's very difficult. Let me just quote, if I might, um, do so of uh, what these medical professions say about the problem. This is a quote from Dr. Teresa uh, Grenshaw. She's the president of the American Association of Sexual Education Counselors and Therapists. As a matter of fact, she is the chairperson of the group task force. This is what she wrote about AIDS. She says, we have more heterosexuals infected today than we had homosexuals infected five years ago. Uh, Dr. Michael Copland uh, warns that AIDS is the greatest human threat since the nuclear war was possible. And uh, Dr. Boeing, Secretary of Health of Human Services, said, uh, if our predictions are correct for global statistics, they could be from 50 million to 100 million dying by the end of 2000 of AIDS alone. Uh, if that isn't a shocker, I don't know uh, what is. So that gives you an idea of how serious uh, this problem is. Another quote, by the way, is Dr. Uh, Ward Cates, uh, U.S. Center for Disease Control. He said that the potential for this disease is much worse than anything mankind has ever seen before. Now, these are the experts. These are the people who deal with this problem on a regular basis. And they are uh, sounding the alarm that we are in a major, major epidemic and a crisis and that this thing is going to escalate. So I, I think if you listen to the authorities, um, it would be a wise person who pay attention to that. Pastor, give me your thoughts on this quote. There's nothing wrong with advocating celibacy. If it's your choice to forego sex, then go ahead and restrain yourself. But to me, it seems downright irresponsible to give this form of contraception priority over all others and not give kids the full facts about safe sex, especially when it's been proven to not work. Well, I, I, I'm not against giving kids the full facts. I am against who give the full facts, right? If you have a teacher in a school who themselves are immoral, who have no biblical standards, no moral standards, and they just see sex as some kind of recreation, some kind of sport, a game, and that the children ought to indulge. The way that Matt material is taught, uh, the seriousness and the soberness with which that person presents that material, or the frivolity which you do it, uh, will affect how the child perceives what is happening. So I'm not against giving the information, but we have a moral responsibility as Christians. And I keep saying, uh, you know, the politicians have a unique way of saying that this is a Christian country, but only when it favors them. Yeah. Now, if we are a Christian country, we must teach Christian morals. So I don't buy that. I think the children need to be taught. And by the way, 
It's only by holding up the highest standard that you get people to attain to the highest standard. You don't lower the standard to get a high standard. You li- you lift to the highest standard. If they fall below the, low, the higher standard, well, you understand that. But you can't elevate somebody to a high standard by, first of all, presenting them to the lowest standard. And we need to let uh, the young generation know what God's will is and what God says in His Word because it's not being taught in the school. It's not being taught in the home. And um, I think that we just need to give that information. And it, it, at least it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with, with those people. And this, ministry, this, this subject of convicting people about what is right and wrong, we can only present the material and we can do our utmost best, but it takes the agency of the Holy Spirit to bring about the conviction. But that conviction is based on that person having the Word because the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is the instrument that is used by the Holy Spirit to convict people. So we must give out the Word in that connection so the Holy Spirit would have something to bring to their mind, uh, if not immediately, at some point in the future. Would you agree with the statement, though, that it's been proven that abstinence does not work? No, I don't agree with that statement. It worked with me, yeah. right? And I know it worked with many other people. There are, look, yes. I know that uh, not in every church, and I know that people have weaknesses. I'm not debating that. I'm not saying that. But there are a lot of people in our churches that have not gone the route of immorality. Right? I, I know people as old in their 30s right now that I can talk about who have never, never engaged in sexual activity. Uh, and I, 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 I admire that. The other thing that you need to think about, you know, you've got your children, and you're going to have to train your children in something. It's going to be very difficult for you to tell your child, abstain, abstain. When the child asks you, did you do it, Daddy? Mommy, did you do it? Yeah. I know you can say, well, son, I did it. I don't want you to do it. But it's something to be able to say, listen, I had the same temptation you have, the same desires you had, sometimes even stronger. But God helped me to resist them, and God can help you as well. So you become a model and an icon that that person can follow. If we use the philosophy that everybody is doing it, good God, I don't know how in the world we'll ever be able to lift up and elevate people to a higher standard. And what we need to do is to not to elevate the celebrities uh, because they make so much money, money and they make six figures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's what happens, by the way. We elevate these people to high standards, etc. What we need to do is to present... Uh, Godly people who have godly principles, who are living godly lives, who are quite ordinary people. Because most people are never going to attain the standard of the celebrity, but he's going to struggle like you and me in daily life. So I think, uh, um, you know, that I don't think it has failed, and I think it ought to be taught in the schools, um, this idea of uh, abstinence. There are a lot of American schools, by the way, that actually teach abstinence. So it's, it may be taught along with another program, but it is actually pushed in certain states. And those states that are more, more Christian, or what you call the Bible Belt, uh, they would be the ones be pushing abstinence. Uh, but I think everybody who looks at the current confusion and the moral depravity that is there and the, the, the amount of diseases, and by the way, it's very costly. Don't forget that in many cases, the doctors and the hospitals and the government has to come up with revenue to try to deal with these kind of diseases. So it's very, very costly. So if you can actually start teaching morality at a very early age, perhaps you can change this trend. But just to let it go and not say anything about it, I think it's surrender. You're listening to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The phone line is open. You can call us and be put live on the air. It's one two six eight four six two seventy four twenty. Do you have a question? Maybe it's not about the topic tonight, or 
Maybe it's about what the Bible says or doesn't say or something you're concerned or worried about, something that's heavy on your heart, and you'd like Pastor Murphy to give the biblical worldview perspective. Give us a call, 268-462-7420. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454. Now, Pastor, there are so many of these STDs. We're not going to be able to cover them all, but we'll hit some of the highlights, if we want to use that word in that situation. Uh, chlamydia. Uh, what what causes it? Yeah. Could I um, could I um, retract a little bit yeah. before I deal with chlamydia to really um, share with the audience uh, some of the real statistics on STDs generally, then I come back to chlamydia. Yeah. Can, I, can I do that? Yeah. Uh, first of all, we just finished with AIDS. Um, the largest group, by the way, 73%. Um, of AIDS infection is within the gay community, 73% of the AIDS cases. Uh, the next group that has the highest level of AIDS is the intravenous drug users. And the, the third group, uh, very, very small, is blood transfusion, 2%. So the vast amount of cases are within the homosexual community and those who, who use drugs as far as AIDS is concerned. Um, let me give you some of the stats on the uh, both within the U.S. and uh, globally. Let me give you the um, the U.S. first of all. Um, in the U.S., uh, every single day, fifty-two thousand people are being infected with some STD. That's every, every day. Every single day. Fifty-two thousand. Uh, currently. Um, 19 million Americans are infected with STDs annually. 19 million every year, okay? 20, 25% of U.S. teen girls are living with an STD. 25% of all the U.S. girls. So, uh, only half of those that are infected with an STD are aware that they are infected. Wait a minute. Only half yep. that are affected with an STD? Are, are aware that they are infected with an STD. So how in the world can you have a healthy society if you have a promiscuous society? You can. Simply you can, right? And, uh, and, and listen, I think that with these 27, don't be surprised if there's something worse comes than AIDS. The, the, when herpes came on the scene, everybody was panicking because once you got herpes, you always got herpes. All you could do is to try to medicate it and control it, but you can't, you can't cure it. So that was the worst thing until AIDS came. And now... It seems to me when AIDS came, everybody was really, really troubled. But I think if you look at what is happening uh, today, one would not get the impression there's any AIDS out there any longer. Right. So we've gotten accustomed, we've adjusted to it, and something else must happen. And by the way, there are other diseases that uh, are not being talked about that those have gone up as well. Um, but to get back on, on this whole matter, um, it's estimated at the current rate of infection that one in every four Americans between 15 and 50 would acquire an STD. I repeat that, one within one to, uh, one to four, um, if you continue at this current rate, what would happen. Um, half of the STDs occur in people uh, 25 years and younger. Half of that. Now think about that for just a moment, right? Uh, one out of every four new STDs occur in teenagers. That's a shocker. Uh, young people between 15 and 24 have five times the reported case of chlamydia, uh, four times the reported case of gonorrhea, and three times the reported case of, of syphilis. That's, that's the, between 15 and 24. Now, that's your most productive years. Uh, so if you have this, this part of your society, 
becoming numb with these STDs, you're going to lose a whole generation, right? Uh, in terms of um, um, gonorrhea, there are 822,000 cases. Uh, chlamydia, 2.9 million. Uh, HPV, 14.1 uh, million. Uh, general herpes, 776,000. Uh, HIV, 47,500. And syphilis, 54,400. That is the infection rate. Now, if you put all those figures together, you'll ask, uh, who doesn't have AIDS or who doesn't have some kind of a disease? Yeah. And that's where we're headed. It's everybody basically will end up having, if we continue this promiscuous lifestyle. And that's part of the, 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 the real tragedy. Globally, for example, uh, Nathan, I shared with you as well, um, people living with uh, HIV globally, the total uh, is 37.9 million globally are living with HIV. Now think about that. Think about tourism. Think about travel. Think about these people interacting and coming to different countries. I, I didn't say 39,000. I said 37.9 million globally, okay? And that's just the ones that they have in the statistics. Right. And that is just um, the the the, uh, the HIV. Of these, by the way, 18.8 um, million are, are women, 17.4 million are men, and 1.7 million are children. This is the HIV uh, I'm talking about new infections for just a moment. Every year, the amount of new infections is 1.7 million every year of it with HIV. Uh, it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It is really really heartbreaking uh, when you begin to think of the these stats. It's it's just that you wish you could just close the book and and not open it and look at it. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. But you can't bury your head in the sand. It's a reality. So I've heard you say, Pastor, that the only thing that will really change a society is the gospel. Is the gospel capable of changing this? And if so, how? Well, the 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 we got to. I keep saying one of the great comparisons you have to keep bringing in mind is what Christianity did when it came in the first century world. I mentioned another program that Christianity introduced the word to the world that the world knew nothing about in the first century. It's a word called chastity. Nobody knew that word, right? The Greek society, the Roman society, was so depraved. We are now coming back to that level of depravity that Christianity conquered. I remind you that the last 14 uh, emperors uh, in the Roman Empire were all homosexuals and all had little boys uh, called pedestry that they practiced as their mate. They still married, you know. But that was common. That's so. But Christianity came into that environment. Into that, where there was polygamy, all kinds of evil practices, but the transforming part of the gospel, that as it was preached, and people's lives were transformed through the gospel and the Holy Spirit, the whole society was changed and transformed. We are now back to what I call the age of neo-paganism, because we're now living in a post-Christian world. So we're almost back to what it used to be in the first century world. The problem we have today, we've got the gospel, but the problem, we don't have the power that comes with the gospel. And, and part of the reason for that is that the church is not what it's supposed to be. The church is trying to be as much like the world to attract the world to itself, hoping that by attracting the world, somehow it will draw them. But we don't understand that it's not being like the world, it's being different. That is the attraction of the Christian church. And consequently, we don't have the, the moral power that the church had before. 
And we got to get back to that, but that can only come in my judgment when we have a real, genuine, authentic revival in the church. And when we begin to get real revival in the church, in other words, it's not a time for music and dancing, a time now for entertainment. That's where the church is right now, quite frankly. We're going to have lots of fun. You come. If you don't enjoy the sermon, you should enjoy the music. But the dancing is to Jesus, so what's wrong with the pastor? <laughs> Simply because... Christianity and the church is not to be a center of entertainment. It's a center of worship. Worship is not about me, about feeling good, uh, coming in there and get my emotion. That's not me. Worship about directing my thoughts towards God, elevating God. It's about God, not about me. As I elevate God and I and I praise God and I worship God, the blessing of doing that comes to me through the witness of the Holy Spirit. But we think that we go to church to get a high. And once we go with that philosophy, uh, I don't see how we, be, we we change. But, you know, what I'm saying to you is against the grain of the church growth movement, right? Because we really get people, what they call the seekers. The Bible says, no man seeketh after God. So I know what seekers they're talking about. It's the gospel that goes in the pursuit of men to awaken them. But the idea that the, the, the seekers, we've got to give the seekers. What it's about is to find out what they want, give them what they want, that will draw them in, and then we preach the gospel to them. I have a hard problem because whatever you win them with, you've got to keep them with. So we've got to keep the entertainment going and keep the, but the it can only last so long because the only thing that could keep you strong with God is truth. And that's why you get this falling away after a period of time because you realize this is nothing. This is like I could have gone to the dance house before and uh, there's no difference, there's no truth to, 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 to cause me to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. And remember, the only thing that can give you spiritual growth is the Word of God. The Bible makes it that, that, that very, very clear. Pastor, we have a question that's come in from a listener in Antigua. It reads, I recently had someone explain to me that it doesn't matter if they watch a movie with a questionable scene because they are seen worse on the street or in the world. Is this a matter of conscience, or is there a biblical principle in this matter? Well, I think it's both a matter of conscience and there's a biblical principle there. Uh, if you read the book of Romans, uh, uh, Romans chapter 1, coming down to the last section, he talks about that uh, he lists about 19 different offenses that are capital offenses that these people are worthy of death. But the Bible says that, they, that even though they know that it's worthy of death, they not only do them, but they find pleasure in them that do them. Uh, and, and basically that's what it's saying you're not doing it but you're deriving pleasure from people doing it and uh, that's where Paul really condemns that kind of an attitude so I think it's, it's, it is a matter of conscience but the problem today is that the conscience is seared the conscience has been desensitized it, the more you see something for example the first time you heard a curse word when on your television remember if you could go back the first time you ever heard a curse word made it cringe turn it, not only that you want to turn it on you turn yep, it off right yeah but then after a while, if uh, you keep hearing it and keep hearing it and keep hearing it, shoot, it, it, it no longer impacts you. So we get desensitized to that. The first thing you saw, a love scene, not even the, the, the body parts, maybe, but you know that they, they begin and then the scene goes off. You, you blush, but then they show you a little bit more, then a little bit more, a little bit, and then they show you the whole thing. And guess what? You don't blink an eye, you don't move anything. Uh, you enjoy it because you become desensitized. It's not just a matter of, of conscience because the conscience is not the pure guide. God is greater than our conscience. You've got to let the Word of God guide you. Uh, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eye. I would not look on a woman. And I think, and Jesus said, if a man look on a woman and lust, there's no way anybody can watch a, a love scene, a sex scene on any television 
without in themselves creating a desire that is there unless you are so abysmally depraved and uh, so insensitive that you're just like a stone wall. No, I don't know what to By the way, I've heard people say this, uh, strange, uh, that the um, husband and wife watch blue movies to make love making more impactful. I don't know how any person could be a Christian and even think that. Right? Uh, that is evil in itself, and uh, you need to get into Matthew chapter 5 and once again read the Beatitudes and see what Christ's attitude was towards these matters, and you realize that we have adopted a very lax um, attitude towards a lot of these, these things, and as a result, they're crept in and crept in and crept in, and the people who are now arguing to support them, strange enough, are people who claim to be Christians, and that is what is shocking. They don't even realize that they've moved away from a biblical worldview, and that their conscience is so seared, they don't even realize that they... It's like the Bible talks about the moral inversion. Uh, light is darkness, and darkness is light. I think that's exactly where we are today. And um, until we get back to the fear of God, uh, and by the way, uh, the the only way you can get back to the fear of God is the law of God. Uh, when Lord, the Lord gave the kings of Israel the Bible, the, the law, you know what he said? I want you to keep this law, read this law, so that you may learn to fear me. See, you, That's how you get back to the fear of God, getting into the, the law of God and the word of God. That Then you see what God expects of you and what God uh, condemns and what God approves. But without that, the book there's not going to be any way that you're going to fear God and I'm going to fear God. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.22. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse broadcasting from the island of Antigua on 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, and online at Pastor Murphy, a WhatsApp note that came in from St. Kitts. Good night, Brother Nathan and Pastor Murphy. Thank you so much for discussing such a relevant topic. I am learning so much from the program. Continue to keep up the good work, and may God continue to bless you. Thank you for the word of encouragement, and thank you for listening, and continue to encourage others to listen. Pastor, uh, one of those S27 STDs is chlamydia. Uh, What is it? What causes it? Yeah. Um, Chlamydia is caused by a bacteria. It's not a virus this time. And it is spread, once again, by any kind of sexual activity, whether it be vaginal, oral, or anal. Um, In terms of the symptoms, it takes between two to four weeks before a person is aware that they're infected. And uh, often, as well, the is what you call a uh, symptomatic. What that means is that there are no symptoms of the disease to make you aware you've actually got it. Uh, often, they only can pick it up by screening, and that's why you need to have a medical test. Uh, for women, uh, the symptoms, if you do have the symptoms, it normally is abdominal pain, um, painful uh, sex when you're having sex with your partner, bleeding after sex or bleeding in between your periods and often as well there is a smelly discharge that can be picked up the the smell Uh, that's in women in men uh, there's normally a a discharge from the penis they also get painful uh, feelings in the testicles that pain you and there's a burning sensation when you urinate Uh, that is a sign that you have uh, chlamydia if you don't uh, deal with it it has some very serious uh, long-term consequences. Um, this infection can be so severe with pain and fever that you may have to be hospitalized. 
and many times the infection uh, goes into the upper um, reproductive tract and create what is called a pelvic inflammatory disease that can affect you and this can scar the reproductive tract and cause infertility and also it creates a high risk of what is ectopectic uh, pregnancies where the child is in the tube rather than uh, you know that could cause that um, men um, is less likely to have a major um, problem uh, health problem but they can develop uh, something called um, epidermitis this is inflammation of the testicles and, and can re result in male infertility now again I'm not too sure if any young man understand that he can catch this disease by just having a sexual encounter and it might lead to infertility you know there are people today which, which kind of uh, shocked me that uh, the people something who can't have kids and it, it's a, a level that is shocking but behind a lot of this infertility are these STDs that they didn't even know they had they contracted there were no symptoms of it and by the time they get married what happens now they can't have children uh, but it's all linked to a lot of these TDs. The other thing is that um, this same chlamydia can cause something called um, reactive arthritis. This can be caused both in men and women. And this is when you get painful inflammatory joints that are painful. It can affect the heels, the toes, the fingers, the lower part of the back, and uh, the joints, and also the knee and the ankles. And babies, by the way, um, if a person have chlamydia and the child is born and exposed to the disease, the child can contract eye infection and pneumonia. Right? So it's not just the individuals now. You're looking at the offspring. Family. And yeah. imagine that you don't show the signs. The person doesn't show the signs. You, 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 you get pregnant. You have a child. The doctor is not aware that you have this thing. Deliver the child. And the child has eye infections, you got, uh, eye disease. And then they get the pneumonia. Uh, <laughs> This thing is so serious that I am very, very convinced that um, in, in our secondary schools where there's a lot of promiscuity, I think that they need to be aware of these things. It's not just fun and games. Jumping in the bed is not fun and games. It has serious repercussions. And if you fool around, eventually you'll catch something. And you'll catch something that's quite permanent as a mark to remind you of the fact that you've violated a moral law. And that law eventually catches up with you. Pastor, there's so many of these STDs, so many of these diseases. Where are they coming from? Well, uh, nothing new is created. We've got to realize that. And I think that part of the reason when, when God was dealing with Israel and he sent them, brought him into the promised land, and remember he talked about if you avoid, he told him, avoid incest, avoid uh, um, fornication, avoid adultery, avoid bestiality. Uh, avoid homosexuality. Invo avoid. Oh, he said, "If you don't do, um, I'm going to bring the disease upon you." But then he remind them that all of these things I'm telling you are what these people used to do before you came into the promised land, and that's why they were moral cancer that had to be completely excised and removed, surgically removed. And uh, and God had given them 430 years to repent. They hadn't repented. But it was a, a cleansing, a moral cleansing that was taking place in Israel. And all of these things that we are beginning to find uh, this happening is a result of the fact that we have broken the moral law, ignored the moral law, and we just somehow think that we can live with impunity. And this is a moral universe that God has put certain things in place. And if I might say this as well, I'm not surprised, for example, that when you have multiple partners interacting with one person, the environment is created within 
that part of the organs, you can very well, just to take your imagination what that means, and I think that creates the environment for these things to begin to fester, etc. So I don't think there's something that is new. I just think we've created the environment now for these things to really start um, showing their, their ugly face. And believe you me, if we continue it this way, something worse is coming upon us because God can't blink to see us recklessly violate his moral law and they're not consequences there will always be consequences pastor this so-called medical professional says that abstinence will not work anymore because young people in rich and poor countries are increasingly delaying marriage often so young women or young men can complete education goals and begin careers what are your thoughts from a biblical worldview i believe that god can keep any person uh, um, sexually pure that is God's standard that's God's ideal I would not dispute that the fact that people are uh, procrastinating in terms of marriage um, I would not dispute that that creates a, an environment that the temptation is far more real I, I, I don't, don't, don't dispute that but I still believe that God will give us uh, the wisdom and the power I think that people just need to do certain things to put things in place to avoid going down this line now, I, I, look, I'm aware that we are sinful, and I'm aware that the tendency uh, is to go the wrong direction. The Bible makes that clear because of a depraved nature. But I do feel that there are some things that we, we can do. Um, if I know that I'm not going to get into trouble by being in public, for example, if I'm dating or I'm taking somebody out, be in a public place. I will not commit a sexual act unless I am some kind of a private secret place. So it's obviously, I still have a car... If I have a, my girlfriend, I'm not going to take her down to the beach at night uh, and got the windows tainted, et cetera, et cetera. Or, as I have seen here, driving uh, up from here from town, I see cars going across the, the, where the, the, the farms are. Yeah. And I, that, what do you think was happening over there? You think they're going to plant, plant something? <laughs> they're going to plant something, but not, not, not corn, right? Uh, so it's clearly that, but those are things that you can prevent. Those are decisions that you make. So I am not, um, I don't, accept the fact that because people are delaying marriage and therefore uh, they can't contain themselves I expect the, the highest uh, and I that's the standard, you don't lower the standard you just kind of elevate the standard uh, and I think if people in the church were to start to live up to the standard it would be seen very clearly that it can be done and they would want to know what we have that they don't have so that we can contain ourselves and that's where I say the problem is not the world, the world has always been rotten the problem is the church. We can fix the church and deal with those kind of matters. We ennoble people to high, to elevate to a higher standard. You know, that's why, that's why you got top schools. That's why you got Harvard and you got Princeton. You got those those kind of top schools. To they've elevated education to a level that everybody wants to get in those schools, right? Uh, imagine sending on morality. People want to go towards an ideal, and young people are very idealistic, very idealistic. They want to change the world, yeah. right? So I think that we need to hold up something to attract them. But I think sometimes that we have failed them in not dealing with these issues so that they find out uh, through experimentation and through their peers and, the, uh, the, you know, they're encouraged by what they see on television. We don't monitor the TV. We don't monitor the songs they're listening to. And some of these things are very provocative. You can listen to music and uh, you can be the most staid, rigid person. But at a certain time, the music will have you tapping your feet and moving your body. It's just the rhythm that is there. And these artists know that. So we had to control that as well. 
Pastor, let's talk about another one of these uh, STDs, uh, HPV. What is that? Uh, HPV stands for Human uh, Papillomavirus. Um, it's the most common STD today, by the way, and it is caused by a virus. Um, it has about 100 different types of HPV. 30 of those types of STDs uh, affect the genital, the rectum, and the anus. And that's why I say to you that even though you're dealing with one particular disease, the the number of different strains of it, are, are, and you've got 30 different strains of these that can be sexually transmitted. Effect, check, uh, uh, 14 of these um, types of viruses are considered high risk and that can lead to cervical cancer. I want to repeat that. 14 of these uh, HPVs um, give you high risk of cervical cancer. So you can enjoy 15 minutes of pleasure and uh, the balance of your life, you have to battle cancer. Now, the sex pundits who are calling for liberation and freedom, they're not going to tell you that, right? But you have to bear that in mind as an individual. By the way, 79 million Americans are infected with this disease and 14 million are affected annually. Uh, 80% of those sexually active uh, today have an infection of HPV. And again, most don't know that they have the disease because the symptoms are asymptomatic. And symptomatic. In other words, they don't show in certain cases. And it takes weeks and years sometimes before you actually know that you have the disease. Uh, the symptoms for men, by the way, uh, is what you call genital warts. You probably heard that expression. And these genital warts appear on the penis, the scrotum, around the anus, and in the groin. Uh, it's a kind of a rough, hard lump that grows on the skin. Just that you have a wart in your hand, but it's, it's not as pronounced as that. But it's, it's you know, for women, uh, genital warts appear in the vulva, around the vagina, around the anus, in the groin, and on the cervix. Uh, so you can imagine the misery. Just mm. imagine your misery. I don't know if you ever had a wart in your hand or some part of your body. Just imagine having those a part, part of your private body, you know. Uh, think of the, 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 the negativity of that with your partner to be aware that you have those kind of things. So 15 minutes of pleasure for the balance of your life. Nobody want to have relations with you because they realize that you've got this. Nobody tells you that. Right? Nobody tells the young person that you're 16 or you're 17 and uh, you, you get all these warts on your body, et cetera, et cetera, in different private parts. Who is going to want to marry you? Who's going to want to, to be part of that relationship? They themselves fear they're going to have the disease. So I'm not too sure that they're really being told this. Everything is about, uh, you know, you get a kick. Uh, but as I said, the kickback is going to come back. Some of the consequences, Nathan, it's, by the way, it's common among women uh, in the mid-40s, this, this particular disease. Uh, cervical cancer... Um, and uh, three of the 44 known types of HIV associated with cancer, the vulva, the virginia, and the cervix. So that in, in just is another one of these STDs that are very, very, very... And I mentioned this is the most common STD. We're not talking AIDS now. We're not talking about chlamydia. We're talking about something that a lot of people are not even aware is there, and they're not... Uh, I, you know, I don't hear people talking about it. I don't hear the radio programs warning young people. I don't see handout of documents that they can look at. Or the other thing, pictures of what it looks like. Now, that might really stir them to think twice or whatever, because something that's graphic. I remember sometimes ago, one of the best ads I ever saw on smoking. Two of them. One was with Marlon Brando. Not Marlon Brando. Uh, Yul Brynner. When he said uh, something that, now that I'm gone, 
I want you to be aware. He was dying of it, and he, you know, he was saying something before he had actually died. And then I remember seeing another one where a woman, she had lost her larynx, and she was talking through a voice box, mm. and she was so emaciated, and she is warning you about smoking. That is effective. Yeah. But you have guys smoking, they're successful, making a million dollars, driving fancy cars. How in the world are you going to change young people's mind about that? Get Mike Tyson here. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the biggest tragedies that, that is going to happen in this country. Um, um, Mike is a rascal. I don't know why anybody wants to bring a rascal to Antigua. <laughs> You're uh, listening to the Caribbean Radio <laughs> Lighthouse. We're broadcasting from Antigua on 1160 AM, 92.3 FM. Time across the Eastern Caribbean is 837. Pastor, are there... We're talking about how celebrities are sometimes put in glorified when they shouldn't be. Are there things that we as Christians are doing that are perpetuating that, or is that all the secular world that is pushing these these secular individuals? No, in I, think, I think the church is bought into the same marketing concept. The, the church today and church growth movement is about marketing. It's about targeting demographics, find out what income, what racial group. It's like uh, what they call identity politics, where you you want to win the election, so you find out what the homosexual wants, so we cater to the homosexual. We want to win the transgender group, we find out what they want. Or we want to win this Hispanic vote, we find out what they want. So what we do, we give everybody what they want because we want the vote. I think that has carried over into the church as well when it comes to marketing. We're targeting certain groups, and um, one of the ways to, to get attention is to bring in a big celebrity. Uh, maybe it's a great uh, star, maybe on the, on the soccer field or the basketball field or cricket or whatever. And he's now, it's like Kanye West, by the way. He just claimed that he's a Christian, you know, yeah. just a yeah. big, big, big type of thing like that. I, I tell people, you know, you, you just wait. You just can't just jump on the bandwagon because the man said he was converted. And now he's, now he's not going to sing any more secular songs he's going to create. But has he changed the beat? See? Uh, the the method is not just the lyrics; it's the 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 the, uh, the the medium has to match with the lyrics. And I would not be surprised that he continues the same vein of the rap type of thing and bring that into the church. Uh, and that's a tragedy, very 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 serious tragedy. And I think the church uh, is followed suit in uh, the whole area of bringing in people that can draw the, bring bring a large crowd. Uh, There's a um, there are youth groups that do that as well. I mean, they play all kind of music, show all kind of movies, they do all kind of dancing. The idea is that we will attract them with that, bring them, and then we'll preach the gospel. But whatever you win them with, you keep them with, and that's the tragedy. You've got to keep continuing this, this program of entertainment. That's never the gospel. I think when God looks down and he sees what we're doing with what he told us to do, he said, and you shall receive power that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you go into all the world and preach the gospel. The power doesn't come from entertainment. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's where the church has sold uh, its birthright for... Um, so. Pastor, we have a WhatsApp comment that has come in from Antigua. Thank you for those of you that have been interacting with us tonight. Comment says, good evening. If I might add the herpes virus, the cold sore which I think is HSV1, herpes simplex virus, is also found around the genital area because of how common oral sex is among people. Some people think oral sex isn't sex, but it is. What I'm trying to say is there is very little difference between HSV1 and 2. Yeah, yeah well... Uh, a lot of these other diseases, once it's a virus, uh, as long as you get in contact with the 
body fluid of some kind. By the way, some of these even by kissing. Hmm. It doesn't have to be oral sex by kissing. Or uh, later on, you see one of these here that um, like you take um, hepatitis B. Uh, you can get that by using a person's toothbrush. Or, or you can uh, a person has thing and you you and their blood and you tr- clean their blood to get a cut whatever it is, the, this is very very serious, and the herpes thing here as well it's it's the you you don't know when somebody has one of them bursts and you will get the body fluid on you you can you can actually get it, that's why you sometimes you got to be very careful whose hand you're shaking. I mean it might sound sad to say that right, uh, sometimes um, um, children. You know, people take up your car and want to give the child a kiss and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, all that is... And you don't want to seem as though you're scornful. Or you don't want to seem as though you, you think your child is more. But it, be honest with you, these are things that are real, and you have to be very, very cautious in, in allowing people certain liberties with your kids. Otherwise, uh, your child can be affected with things that... And it's innocent. Uh, and some of these people don't even know sometimes what they have. So we have to adopt certain... Okay, coming back to the uh, the herpes... Um, once you have herpes you always have herpes it can't be cured it can go into remission and then it will start again Uh, but in addition to the HSV1 you've got the HSV2 as well and that can also come in the same way that he's talking about Um, so maybe we should mention a few things about that Um, most people again may not have symptoms when they have the herpes some people are not aware. They think it's a, something else other than herpes, right? Um, one out of every five persons age 14 to 49 have genital herpes. One out of every five, okay? Um, the symptoms, uh, by the way, is itching, a tingling around the genitals, uh, painful small blisters that pop up and leave sores that ooze or bleed a little bit, um, First time this happens, sometimes you might end up with a fever, a headache. Um, uh, some people have milder symptoms, um, but sometimes the outbreak is off and on. It might go into remission for a year or two, it might come back, it might take a year, whatever it is. But once you have it, you can't cure it. All you can use is antiviral med- medicine, etc. Um, but it stays in your body uh, forever. When you have it, certain things could trigger it. Uh, that you have a, um, it starts to come back again for when you're sick. Um, when you're stressed out or tired and you have the virus, it can be actually uh, surface again. When you generally start having your period, beginning of the period, uh, because of the state of the body, that can happen. And um, if your towel that you're using and one of those blisters bore, and you put it in your eye, you get eye infected, and there's a yeah, you get infected by it, and um, and it can spread uh, into your eyes. So you need to be very, very careful of this. Twenty million uh, Americans are affected by it, and every single day, five hundred thousand is affected every new year, every year, every year, okay. every year, okay, it's per year. Uh, by the way, some complications for it. Um, um, what happens many, many times is that during your vaginal birth, if you have a birth to uh, normal paces, it can give the baby rashes and it can also give the baby eye problems. So the normie would recommend, in a lot of cases, a C-section. Rather than passing through the passage of the vagina, the child is removed through the side. Uh, again, 
think about this for just a moment for the balance of your life 50 minutes of pleasure the balance of your life you're living with something that will come back again and again and again and again and again and not only that you're jeopardizing the health of your child and what if your have gone in, yours have gone into remission you're not even sure you didn't even tell the doctor you have so you can take precaution give you yeah. antiviral drugs so your child is born with an eye infection as I said this has nothing just exclusively about the individual you've got to look at the repercussions on the offspring and other people and, and that's why I said we're coming to a situation where uh, it is getting worse and worse and worse and you don't get the impression that it is doing that you get the impression that maybe it's improving or it's subsiding because there's nothing out there in the media uh, that is trying to draw the attention to the public we are in a crisis we are in an epidemic and if we go down this route we're headed to a massive catastrophe and remember all of these have to be paid for and in many cases the government is paying for it think of the cost of those yeah. dealing with all of these STDs if you yourself have to to be keep going to the, the medical doctor to get think of the cost of that in terms of your family it ripped up your savings and just the time off work <laughs> oh man it, it's it's horrendous to think about this <laughs> as you were talking about the effects that it has not only on you but on your family I was thinking back to a devotional challenge that I heard a pastor share a number of years ago and he said there is no such thing as a sin that only affects you yeah. It affects your spouse, it affects your children, it affects yeah. your coworkers, it affects your church, it affects your pastor, it affects yeah. those that are not saved, and God forbid, but if the unsaved find out that you were involved in something that they didn't that was not godly, they're gonna mock the name of God and what worse thing to be known for but then causing the enemies of God to mock his name. Yeah. I think that um if people would just start thinking in the long term and think of the, the effects it has, not on themselves. People are just thinking about themselves, to be honest with you. You have to look beyond yourself to understand the 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 large body of network of people that are affected when you do something. Uh, it is devastating, and sin is so complicated. Uh, it, it, it creates a knot that you can't even seem to untie, uh, and I wish that people would pay much more attention to it. Pastor, anything else you want to mention on herpes, or you want to? Move no, I think on? I think the, unless the audience had asked something, but generally speaking, I think it's something that we should be concerned about. Uh, it, again, it's it's very 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 common. And by the way, if you if you have herpes, uh, you need to discuss the matter with your partner before you get married. You don't let your partner find out, because a lot of times with herpes, especially uh, type two. Um, let's suppose your partner doesn't know that you have it. You know you have it. You haven't told them. Told them. Uh, what happened is that when you have an outbreak, sometimes uh, if you are concerned about your partner, you have to wait three and four weeks before you can have sex again. Now imagine trying to uh, avoid telling him that yeah. this is the situation, and he thinks you are withholding yourself. Right? To think of the misery. Just put yourself in that situation. The misery of that uh, in itself. And it complicates oh, the whole man, relationship. It complicates the whole whole thing, and, and that's the mess we find ourselves in. And it's only going to break down trust too after a matter of time. But anyway. Uh, Hepatitis B, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Well, hepatitis B is the infection of the liver, um, inflammation of the liver. Um, it's, it's, it's spread when you come into contact with blood or open sores or bloody fuels, uh, uh, fluids in the body. Um, of course, it can also be caused by heavy use of alcohol, uh, toxins, poisons, etc., etc. Some medical um, uh, conditions can lead to it itself. And... Uh, However, it, the, when it's sexually translated by a virus, the A, A, B, and C um, hepatitis virus, 
so it's not just a disease that can be caused by uh, using alcohol and, and different toxins, etc. It's a sexually transmitted uh, disease. Uh, in the US, for example, there right now are 862,000 cases of it. And globally, uh, it's 257 million people globally that are suffering from this particular disease, hepatitis B. Again, think about that for just a moment, uh, Nathan. Um, globally, 257 million. Think of travel. Think of people who, countries that got tourism and yeah. that attract people. You, you think about the repercussions of that. It, it, it's really, really frightening and fearful uh, of when these things happen. And then, of course, these people come here. Uh, they mix with the locals. The locals um, get involved with them intimately. And whatever they have, they leave here and they go back to their place or whatever. Or they come here and they get it from the locals and they take it back. It, it just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating. It's very, very serious. And if you're a person that's saying, oh, but that kind of thing doesn't happen with uh, people coming on tourism, let me just share with you. When, the last time I flew into Antigua, I was sitting beside someone who was coming down on a film crew to film a TV special and talking about the different countries he'd been to. And several of the countries he'd been to, he summarized by describing the, and I finally just ended the conversation, Uh describing the prostitutes in that country and how good or how bad they were. And then he proceeded to ask me about here in Antigua. So uh, you can't tell me that he's the only individual. People, when they're away from home especially, they're going to become even more promiscuous. So it is a scary situation. Sometimes ago when I was in um, St. Vincent pastoring, I went from uh, St. Vincent property to Bekwe in a a little boat. And um, there was three tourist women uh, with this one Caribbean guy. And if you see what was happening, I was saying to myself, what in the world? I mean, he had all three of them. And mm. to him, that was a prize, right? Uh, a lot of people come here for sand and sun, but they also come here for sin, to be honest. They get away from wherever they are. And remember, whatever they have, they leave here. Even if our people have something, they, they take it back with them. And this is the danger of the tourism product, uh, you know, and uh, small islands like these, we depend on tourism, the main uh, uh, industry, uh, but it has its dangers. Think of think of the idea as well that um, with the legalization of the uh, homosexuality, don't be surprised if you have a whole boatload of homosexuals who will come to the island, yeah. and I can guarantee you that by the time they leave, they have left all kinds of things here. Uh, it, it's just a tragedy. I, I, I know that um, in a democracy you've got to have liberty and freedom, but I really think that there are times and places that people have to uh, understand that liberties have to be curtailed in the interest of the welfare of the general public. And I think that government should enforce certain rules and regulations, but the problem with that is that the international community puts pressure upon you to withhold aid, um, donations, whatever it is, so that you have to uh, follow the international guidelines on these matters. But I think it's I just think we're in a difficult situation, but I think we need some politicians who are very hard-headed and who are prepared to look after the interests of the welfare of the people and be willing to bite the bullet if need to be. And come to the people. Bring the matter to the people if you think it's a matter that you want to the people. And get the opinion of the people. If they're willing to forego certain things in the interest of ultimately what's best for them in the future, even though they may suffer initially, let them make that decision. Uh, but don't just go after the almighty dollar. 
and just ruin a nation or ruin a people because they want to get uh, more income to deal with certain matters. Hepatitis B, what are the symptoms? How do I know that I have it? Well, um, the symptoms, a fever, fatigue, loss of appetite, uh, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pains, uh, dark urine, uh, joint pains. Sometimes your eye turns yellow, we call it jaundice. That's one sure sign because it means it affects your liver. And uh, sometimes your bowel movement is a kind of a clay color. Those are about um, 10 or 15, uh, 10 symptoms that you've got there. Uh, but those are the, 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 the symptoms. And on an average, it takes between uh, 90 days to three months, uh, sometimes as far as eight weeks and, and, and five months before you actually have any symptoms. So again, the danger of that. And by the way, 30 to between 30 and 50% of the people who get that are between uh, five years and older. So uh, it's a very, very, very serious problem. It is spread um, through, like, birth. If you have it and you give birth, um, you can infect it through having sex with a partner. Again, this is another one that can share through needles. So if you are a drug addict and using your sharing needles, it can be shared that way. And shaving with another person's razor. Wow. Yeah. And the toothbrush, if you miss, suppose you're a, your husband's wife and she got her toothbrush and you just gone in in the night and you just think you use your toothbrush and she got the thing, you, you can get it. Um, and anything direct contact with blood or open sores, um, it can also be transmitted that way. And by the way, hepatitis is a very serious disease. It can cause death, mm-hmm. really can cause death. So this is something that, uh, again, another sexually transmitted disease that people need to be made aware of. Pastor, we have four minutes left in the program. And another disease, I'm going to try and pronounce this right, but trechomoniasis? Trechomoniasis. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? And well, this is a, another common STD, and uh, the, the, the symptoms, uh, most people, again, don't know they have the disease. You notice a lot of these diseases you don't know because the symptoms take that's a long time. That's what's scary about it. Yeah, that's the scary thing. It is caused by a protozoan uh, parasite, and the level of infection currently in, in the U.S. is 3.7 million and uh, 30%, only 30% of 3.7 million would, would, would develop the symptoms. So it's a very high risk that you have it. Um, symptoms normally come between 5 to 28 days if you're going to have it. And the men, it is itching or irritation inside the penis itself. There's burning after urination, and there's a discharge at the penis. In terms of women, there's itching, burning, and redness and soreness around the genitals. Uh, there's discomfort when you urinate. And there's a vaginal discharge that sometimes is white, yellowish, sometimes greenish, and it has a fishy smell. Uh, this good thing about this one, though, this can be cured. That's the good thing about this one. But again, uh, think of people having this and not you not knowing it. Um, all of this why <laughs> I don't know why people would want to fool around. With 27 out there going to catch me. One of them catch me at some point in time. I mean, I'm not this freedom. There's no such yeah. thing as there's no such thing as free sex. Eventually, you pay an awful price. Eventually, and uh, I think by making people aware, uh, one and, and we just dealt a very few, just a handful. We just about five of them already, and there are 27 of there are 26 of them, 20 of them. The 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 the, uh, the, the condom doesn't protect you against it. So you are playing Russian ruler with your life if you are promiscuous or your partner is promiscuous and you're putting your life uh, at jeopardy if you're engaging in, in, in sexual activity. 
I'm not a statistician, but I'm just thinking if there's 27 of them and such high percentages of the population is affected by these, there's a pretty small likelihood that you're going to find someone who's also promiscuous who doesn't have one of them. Yeah. I, I don't mean to be negative, but I think that's a pretty realistic perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, I think I've said on this program before that by the time the average person goes to the altar, uh, for men, it's like between five and seven people they've been through. Some It's more than that now, by the way. Yeah. A lot more than that. I, I'm shocked. I must tell you, I'm shocked. For women, it's like four and five, but men is much more than that. And at the level, now that's a few years ago, and I wish that we could c- collect some data uh, on, on this kind of matter. I, like we, I wish we could collect some data on drugs and the state of sexuality in the island and also the spiritual state of people. I wish that there was a way that we could go into all the schools and ask the kind of question about the activity in drugs and these kind of things, and also, you know, reading the Bible and, and, and the churches to find out mm-hmm. what the spiritual state of the churches. Uh, and I, I don't know if there was any Christian that would have that, uh, I think a layman who has that kind of drive, and uh, the church could probably work with them, maybe doing the photocopying of that kind of thing, and then, you know, maybe taking it and, you know. But I think we need data. And you can go and see uh, on the CDC in America, uh, and you can get all kinds of information on the current state of America. We in the Caribbean is a positive data, so uh, the statistics are so minuscule that we can't really share with the public exactly what the current state of these different diseases in Antigua, how many have got chlamydia, how many have got uh, HPV. We, we don't have that information. And if you do, do have it, it, it's not readily available. It's not published on, online. I can't go online and hit these and find out what are STDs in Antigua, et cetera, et cetera. If it is there, I don't know it is. And maybe if it is, it would be very useful to inform the public. Pastor, this topic has me discouraged, uh, but for the listener who says, I don't have any hope, share the gospel. What What is there? What is the hope? The only hope that we have in Jesus Christ, and uh, throughout the Bible, he's called our hope, the one that we look to. And I would try to encourage you not to be frustrated. Look to him, and he can change your life. He can transform you, and he can transform the society. But we've got to look to God and look to Christ. Thanks for joining us tonight on the program. Be sure you join us next week for another relevant topic. Keep your radio dial tuned to CRL, your favorite Christian station. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.59. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.